Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and I don't suck, and neither does the Pipples podcast, but anyone who plays the Riders, they suck. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Let's go, Rider Nation. I'm ready. I'm ready. Here we go. This is the Piffles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, the one that doesn't suck. This is episode 202. Still not canceled. Thanks for joining us. I'm Alex. Only 148 more to go to get to Bradbury. And I'm Steve. And I waited way too long for Steve to say his name. That was (laughs) awkward. Yeah. You can give us a follow. On Twitter at PifflesPod, you can give me a follow at RealAlexD. You can follow me at Awkward Podcaster. And once again, I do not need your pity follows, especially you, Marty York. At Greg <laughs> Sports. Well, you won't be following me. I'm blocked now. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't have that listed in what we're going to talk about today. We're adding that. We're going to start off with the show with Marty York right now. Time for the opening kickoff. <laughs> This the good the news best- is, between your opening kickoff and now, we've listed all the things that Marty York has been right about in the last decade. I was going to say, this is the best placement Marty York has had in decades. Uh, before we get to that, Piffles Podcast, of course, is brought to you by Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. And uh, had that coffee crisp uh, oh, blizzard. I know, Steve, Steve, you think coffee crisp is for 12-year-olds, which we're not going to argue about this week. But, oh, man, what a blizzard. That was that fantastic. A great, it's it, A1 blizzard. Like top notch, top tier. I, I assume we're not arguing because I am incorrect. Because I am correct. No, you're That's right. That's fair. You're incorrect. Yep. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> before we talk about the riders, Marty York, um, Bubba from CHCH in uh, Hamilton um, had Randy Ambrosi on his show and tweeted that he was going to talk to him. And it was a recorded interview that they played later in the day. Marty York said, Hey, how come you didn't? Uh, did you ask him about the uh, accusation of being of being a bully in CFL offices to employees? That caught my interest. Oh, that caught that, a lot that, of interest. That's that's like that's throwing a match down a gas filled hallway. Like, what was, kind of tweet is that? Like the, oh, and so Bubba responded, "No, we did this interview earlier," and I was like, "Wow, okay." Marty York responds back to Bubba and says. Uh, there's, or I don't know, I can't see Marty York's tweets because I'm blocked now. Um, but he said he had six sources saying that this was a thing. But this is the first time it's ever been brought out in the media. I'm like, well, if you have six sources and you're bringing it up in the media, why aren't you doing the story yourself? So I quote tweeted Marty York and said, I know, consider the source of Marty York. I know who, I know it's Marty York saying it, but that's kind of interesting. I'd like to hear more about this and whether this is true or not or whatever. Marty York replied back to me and said, well, what do you mean, Alex? And I said, well, given your history, which is spotty at best on being accurate, especially when it comes to the CFL, but if you have six sources, run the story. Why are you getting mad at another journalist who clearly doesn't know anything about it? And then he just blocked me. Apparently he replied to me and then blocked me, but I can't see that. Well, you're an idiot. That's all you need to know is you're an idiot. (laughs) Um, so, he, so he's I, been following you told, before. <laughs> yeah, I could have told Marty York that years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but Marty, like, exactly right, though. Marty, if you have the goods, why are you waiting for someone else to do your job? Or you give the goods to it. If you don't want to run it, give the goods to another journalist you trust. You don't just sit on it and just complain that no one else ran the story. What do, you, what do you mean? People don't like just having breaking news and just leaving it in their back pocket forever until they can go after a random reporter for not bringing up a thing he knew nothing about? That's not the regular way you break news in, in the reporting world? Weird. Like, don't get me wrong. We've probably got the journalistic integrity of Mad Magazine. But <laughs> when it came to that, the Edmonton Empire story, 
we at least we double checked our sources and we ran when we knew we had something. We didn't sit there yelling at Jamie Nye, hey, do something. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, I might have. You might have. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore, though. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, yeah, Marty York. Go back to the whole year you've dug yourself into. Anyway, that's my little thing on Marty York this week. Let's talk, let's talk some actual football here. Riders and Elks last Saturday. Was it Saturday? Yeah, it was Saturday night. Riders win 34-23, bringing their record to 5-4. and four, And that score flatters the Riders because it definitely wasn't uh, an 11-point game the whole time. Let's start in the first half. Start at the first quarter. The Riders, like they have been, go to Jamal Morrow. Morrow looks pretty good. Then he gets completely ignored in the second, third, and most of the fourth. Just absolutely ridiculous that you have a running back who's constantly churning out yards, who's leading the league in rushing, yet you refuse to use him throughout the game. You're only using him in the first and fourth. I don't get it. I, I, I'm trying to figure out what the strategy here is from Jason Moss. Like, is he out, is he out coaching himself? I don't know what's going on here, but why you have to use Jamal Morrow, even if it's on screens or hitch passes or something, get him the ball really quickly after the snap and let your playmakers make plays. At this point in the season, we should, the way our offensive line has been playing since week one, we should be giving the ball to Morrow. We should be getting the ball into Kean Schaefer Baker's hands, and we should be getting the ball to Duke Williams all as quick as humanly possible. I don't understand why we constantly abandon a running game that has shown to be successful when we stick with it. It, it, I don't know if it boggles my mind. It makes no sense. It's terrible coaching, terrible game plan week after week. And 2019 proved Cody's quicker, uh, sorry, he's better when he gets the ball out of his hands quick. Dropping it, he's not a pocket passer. He, He's limited right now. He looked a lot better this past game, but he's still not at a hundred percent. So why are you having him hang back there? Why are you having him roll out, get that ball out of his hands into the guys that can make plays. And yeah, they tried a few things with KSB on sweeps and a few other things, but there it's not working. And when they hit that second half and the offense just dried up, I had BC, um, flashbacks in my brain of not scoring a single point in that second half because it was not looking good until the fourth quarter. Um, one of the plays I want to talk about in the uh, in the first half was was in the second quarter. Elks are driving; they get it first and goal on the five yard line. Botched handoff, fumble, and the Riders recover. To me, that was the turning point in the whole game because if Edmonton goes and scores there. The Elks might run away with that game. And chances are they probably do win that game with how everything played out. So great. Oh, was it Charleston Hughes had yep. the recovery on that? Um, old, old man keeps making plays, which is great. But I mean, that was a botched handoff and of by Cornelius. But that to me was, was the real game changer. Not the Mario Alford kick, which was also a game changer. That was the real key to me. You're absolutely right. That fumble completely swapped or switched the momentum of the game. It looked like everything was starting to go Edmonton's way. They had the ball deep in our zone. They were guaranteed three looking at seven and all of a sudden it's our ball. I mean, that's that I can't argue with you. Absolutely. A turning point. Anytime when you had team knocking on the door and you can stop them, that immediately puts the momentum in your favor. So yeah, but that that KS, uh, that sorry, that Mario Alford uh, returns. Oh, beautiful! I, it's nice having a return game again. On the cable cam, no less. I know uh, Dave, uh-huh. uh, one of our one of our buddies there on Twitter. He was uh, <laughs> that was that was his uh, shining moment was seeing the return on cable cam there. <laughs> uh, title of his sex tape? I guess so. Maybe. I don't know. Yikes. <laughs> but i know there's yeah. children listening greg why i don't know but there are yeah, but my there kids was, <laughs> but that was right after the taylor cornelius's second touchdown which was a hell of a run from cornelius um to get the corner nick marshall yeah he might have gotten held up just a little bit there but he gave up he could have 
finish the play and actually knock Cornelius out at the two or three yard line. Watching that, I, I saw it and then I rewound it and I was like, what are you doing, Nick Marshall? Finish the play and then complain to the refs. Complaining in the middle of the play, Edmonton probably would have scored anyway, so it's it's a moot point. But come on, man. I don't know if there's a, an easier player to get under their skin in this league than Nick Marshall. It seems like he gets to that point very quickly. Uh, it's not the first time. It won't be the last time. And, and you get what you get with him. You get amazing plays on one side and then yep. that kind of effort every now and again. You, you got it. I mean, still a top top 10 DB in the league. Absolutely want him on my team, but he, he's got to cut that kind of stuff out and fast. Nick Marshall is feast or famine. Like that guy shut down corner, but when he has a bad game, it's a bad game. Um, and so, yeah, sometimes he makes those, he, he gets a little ahead of himself when it comes to being wronged and thinking he needs to make his point. So yeah, he, if he would have finished that play, like you said, take him out two or three chance. Our Edmonton still walks away with points, but my, my favorite part about that first quarter though, was if you could have given me one player from each side to take a misconduct penalty early in the first quarter, I would have absolutely without a doubt picked Nick Marshall on our side and Ed Ganey on the other and been dead on. I don't know. And Ty Rogers, uh, he's got a few of those. Yeah, oh, he's Oops. cut a lot of those off, but he's he's stuck to the holding penalties lately. The only thing he's holding now, though, is a plane ticket out of, out of the city. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, obviously, that Mario Alford touchdown, uh, the kick return. I love that high five at the end with McInnes. And the block for McInnes on Sergio Castillo was, to me, it was just one of those, it's one of those little things in football Excellent. where he could have absolutely leveled the guy didn't need to. He just kind of pushed him and then moved his hands out of the way. Like I'm, I'm not holding him. He left no doubt whatsoever. It was just enough to get Alford to to catch that corner, to catch the corner and go for the touchdown. But then that little high five at the end, I thought it was just perfect. And then McInnes went right back to the huddle, uh, like back to the sidelines. Let Alford celebrate. So I like that. That was that was good from Justin McInnes. That return from Mario Alford is exactly why you let him make that return out of the end zone in the BC game you're going to get the odd dropped at the two yard line, but dude knows how to find the end zone. I was it that. I think I heard that was his fifth uh, major in 14 games. That's a, yep. That's an absurd rate for a returner. That's one every two, three games, two of them already with the riders. Like that's, that's insane. And that gentleman is why Danny Machocha is a genius. <laughs> and uh, since that trade, Chandler Worthy has how many? Um, yeah. Yeah. So the second half of the game, <laughs> nothing nothing happened. That was boring. Um, until the end, or last five minutes or so. And Duke Williams um, made a couple catches throughout the game on, on kind of jump balls, 50-50. I guess it wasn't really jump balls. He was falling down as he caught them, but 50-50 balls. But he was making some really nice catches. That touchdown that he caught, uh, to give the riders the lead in the fourth and then the celebration right after jumping into the crowd, into the, to the end zone lodge seating there with the rider fans sitting down, having a plate of nachos and sharing that with the fans. That was fantastic. Duke Williams was finally in my mind, earning his contract that he signed in free agency or before free agency to pay him 260 K, whatever he's making. That was his best game as a rider since the West final last year. He was fantastic making great plays. There was only four catches that he had, but they were all important big ones. And he was catching those, those 50, 50 ones that we need him to catch. Normally I'm not a fan of those, uh, that lowish seating they got now in both Edmonton and BC, but I'll allow it. I, I will gladly sign off on it for that exact purpose. I absolutely love that celebration. And I love the fact that he actually ate a nacho and admitted to it after the game. Fantastic. I, I'm kind of impressed with his ability to hurdle the fans who didn't understand the get out of the way motion. Cause he's going like this. They, what do you think he was? I guess they can't see this. This is the podcast, but he's waving his arms. Like he's swimming in front of them. Like, did they think he was going for a swim? He kind of jumped, jumped over everybody through everybody. Oh, 
God bless that man. That was a beautiful silly. I'm just happy that him and Cody are kind of finding a bit of a rhythm. Cody still is throwing some weird balls to him though. And they're all low. I don't know if Cody's scared of throwing over his head, but uh, Duke's a tall man. And he can jump like go, you can go higher. There, there was a lot of issues with wind in that game. It was a high wind. It was a swirly wind. I, I'm not going to put a lot of uh, issues on, on placement on passes in that game. In the end, they were caught, and that's what matters. And Fajardo actually looked like the Fajardo of old at times, where uh, he was able to to run around and and make plays and and use his legs. I know his knees still not 100, percent but if that's the Cody Fajardo that the Riders get for the rest of the year, then the offense is already a hundred percent better because the guy's not a pocket passer. He just isn't. And especially if they're going to have long developing plays, this old line isn't going to be able to hold up. So if he can move around even just the slightest bit and just be able to, to throw on the run or, or take a couple runs a game, it's going to vastly improve this offense. In the fourth quarter, Fajardo made it count. Uh, his stats didn't blow anybody out of the water. But again, fourth quarter, Fajardo showed up and Roland Milligan got that interception, set up the nice touchdown uh, by Fajardo to, to seal the game there. So if that's the Fajardo we're getting, then they have a shot. I had such flashbacks of BC, though. That I don't know what it is about coming out of the half. The riders always start flat, and it, it's getting scary. If we don't start scoring points in the third, quarter i don't know how this team can expect to win we're, we're gonna find out real quick what this team is made of over the next what eight weeks with the with the games coming down the pipelines barely beating guys like edmonton uh we got we got back to back against against bc and then winnipeg and they're they're gonna need to start showing us what they really can do and what their potential is or <laughs> instead of just being what their potential is yeah, Winnipeg lost to a uh, Danny Machocha led Montreal. So I already said they're not allowed to make the playoffs now. So I stand by that. <laughs> I've never uh, been happier to be zero two to start a CFL week. Uh, so of course Edmonton losing that game. They haven't won at home in one thousand and forty days, which is insane to me. Even Ottawa won a home game last year. Edmonton hasn't won since twenty nineteen in i think it was october and they're yeah, just... against edmonton they won that game against edmonton at home ottawa yeah so but that's what i mean like ottawa the only game that ottawa won is against edmonton because ottawa has a terrible record and edmonton's is worse it's awesome and they play each other this week <laughs> um but one more one more thing about the uh the riders game against the elks here from last weekend the o-line and i know this is I mean, we actually got some improvements, addition by subtraction here, but the O-line was giving up pressure all game long, constantly on three-man rushes. If Edmonton wants to bring five, six guys and gets pressure that way, I can understand that. That's fine if they're doing stunts or whatever, confusing the O-line. I get that. That's football. It happens. Three-man rush. They were constantly, constantly getting pressure and getting sacks. Serezna had a couple on three-man rushes. Unex- like it's just unacceptable and the good news out of that is Natai Rogers finally got his dinner on Delta cut along with Jacob Prawl and good riddance to both of them because they both were terrible this year I the only one I had I had high hopes for was Jacob Prawl I I think he had a shot but with guys like Tevin Jones coming up and Shaq coming back and more coming back there just wasn't a place for him. I think, I think he's a guy that could be that four or five receiver, uh, just not here. But I don't see any spot in the CFL for for Natai Rogers. Like nothing. That no team can look at his game film and go, you know what would make our team better? A pylon. Well, the thing that scared me the most about that, if you're watching that three man rush, Evan Johnson was lost a lot out there. He was just standing there, like looking each way. He didn't know which way to go. And when you got Natai Rogers on what, uh, definitely not knowing where to go, getting blown out of the water. I wonder if Cody had a bad, a bad time sometime. So I've been, I've been really disappointed in Evan Johnson this year. Last year, give him the benefit of the doubt. New team, new O line, 
got to, you know, take time to gel. No training camp and, and whatnot with the 2021 season for sure. But 2022 with a guy that should be as good as he should, should be, he's been bad. But well, you think about it, you got you got Natai Rogers all, all the way out to the right side, and then you got Evan Johnson, who's also not playing well. Like that entire right side is pooched. Like, I'm hoping Campbell can step in and kind of help uh, Johnson along because if not, I don't know what's going to happen there. Well, we'll look at that uh, whole line, how it's going to line up against uh, BC this week in a little bit. But um, this whole talk about Natai Rogers and we said we were going to talk about it on the podcast. Um, I said, why would you keep around a guy who absolutely sucks? I'm actually surprised they got rid of Natai Rogers. I didn't think they would have the guts to be able to do it. I thought that's they were just going to be stuck with him. And good on J.O. for finally, it took him nine weeks to figure it out. You'd think an old lineman GM would realize this a lot earlier, but finally cuts ties with uh, with um, Natai Rogers. So on Twitter, I'm excited by that. Finally, it's about time. And uh, Greg puts a gif of uh, how um, <clears throat> I am. About it's, it's, it's an archer gif. That's all you need to know. It's an, yeah, it's an archer. Yeah. Um, about how excited how, uh, Alex is. How happy Egg, I am. Eggplants for everyone. Yeah. What? Yeah. About uh, about Natai Rogers. And I said, no. Why keep around a guy who absolutely sucks? Want to get me <clears throat> fire the head coach. Now, I'm not suggesting firing Craig. Dickinson I'm not by any means because one there's a salary or a coach's cap and it's just not going to happen I still sign that's why that's stupid but that's absolutely yeah yeah, absolutely you want to make a real statement fire the head coach that's that's what I mean by that want to get me excited but that here's the thing though Craig Dickinson very nice guy very good special teams coordinator I don't think he's a that good of a head coach They've won a lot based on the talent that has been assembled. They've lost quite a few games lately because of coaching to me and lack of coaching from Craig Dickinson. Chris Jones left them a very good core. And I think they're, I don't, I don't want to say that he's riding the coattails in that because I don't think that's true. I think Craig Dickinson earned his shot as a head coach. I just don't think. I just think he's a better coordinator than he is a head coach. Um, Greg, you said, who do you move on to? Is it Jason Shivers? I'm like, yes. If you, you can't do it now, though, with the coach's cap. And um, going back here, because I took a screenshot of it. Greg says, are you saying Craig Dickinson is Danny Machocha? And I said, Dickie needs a great cup first. Danny Machocha, no cups. That 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 is that that is a damning statement uh, for Dickie. I'm I'm sorry. Like I would not like Danny Machocha, his Grey Cup. That was not his team. No. And yeah, and Dickie hasn't won one yet. But I don't know. To me, Dickie's more of a young man, Ken Miller. The players love him. He's a great guy. He's a great players coach. Great Absolutely. players coach. However, yeah. and the guys have have respect for him. There's let's 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 not say they don't. Absolutely. Absolutely. But they don't fear the man. There's no I don't think they're scared scared of him. And I'll never forget the um that uh, round table I did with uh, Derek Dennis and Reeves and Jeter. Reeves did the best impression of Craig Dickinson I've ever heard. Like it was amazing, and and it was it was out of love, but it was very much a, um, like grandpa fellas don't do that type thing. It was it was hilarious. That's the way they see him. Like he will he will tell you he, you disappoint him and you'll feel bad about it, but he's not holding he 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 believes the best in guys, which is good, but he's not paid to have believe in the best in guys. He's paid to win. And eventually that's going to burn them. Well, all season long. Hey, Craig, what about all the penalties? Hey, Craig, what about Duke Williams uh, throwing his helmet at, uh, at the Toronto player? Hey, Craig, what about Garrett Marino? Well, you know, we tell him we love him. What? 
Like, come on. That's not head coach talk right there. That's not. And there's, there's absolutely no accountability with this team now. I don't want to say that it's to the point where the inmates are run the asylum because it's not at that point. But there's no true leader on this team when it comes from the coaching staff. I truly believe that. And as long as he's the head coach, I don't think that they're ever going to win a great cup. Now, again, not saying fire the man. I don't think that's the right call. But I just don't think they're going anywhere with them. I think they're going to be a good team with them, but they'll never get over the hump with them. I mean, if you look at the way this roster has been built, and if you're a player in that locker room, locker room right now, and you've watched a guy like Natai Rogers play the way he has for nine games, what what at that point instills any kind of fear for even decent to mediocre play? Bench there's him. there's no fear of losing your job. Bench him. I know you can't, you're the head coach. You can't really cut a guy that comes from the general manager. And if Jeremy O'Day refused to do that and you're kind of stuck with this guy, bench him, put Jamal, put uh, Jamal Campbell there. I still am trying to figure out why Jamal Campbell wasn't in. He'd give you cap. He'd give you a uh, ratio flexibility anyway. And, can, and, can and anyone with a set of eyeballs saw that tie was getting blown out every game. There were so many free shots at Cody. It was ridiculous. All coming from the right side. So, and to me, that's all on Craig Dickinson. That's all on Dickinson. Make a change. Don't be afraid to tell the guy, you don't, I know you don't want to hurt his feelings by benching the guy, but Demetrius Maxey told me once that Don Matthews cut him every single day at practice. That was the motivation. I know that's, that's not necessarily the motivation that you do nowadays, but back in the 90s, hey, if you don't perform, you're cut. Get out of here. Go. And that's what Chris Jones does. If you don't perform, I'm going to find somebody else who will. And if he doesn't, well, then I'm going to cut him too. Not saying you need to go and cut everybody, but he there's no Charles, account of... He cut Charles Nelson this week. He's actually a decent player. <laughs> there, there has to be a happy middle ground between cut everybody if they make a mistake and not even bench a guy for being garbage. <laughs> exactly. There, there is a middle ground there. And if oh. Dickie can find that, he, he has the potential to be a good coach, but he has to get there because there's no fear in this roster of underperforming. There's no concern for losing your job for not being at worst decent. At the same time, but at the same token, to agree with you guys, he also needed to be the guy to go to Cody. Hey, you're useless to me on one leg. Put your ass on the bench. I'm putting finding for a couple of plays. I don't care how much of a competitor he is. You lose your number one quarterback. You're screwed for the rest of the season. Well, look what look what a week off during the bye week did for Cody's legs. That's the first time he's run the ball with any kind of conviction since since he heard it against Edmonton. And Cody Cody's the no doubt number one here, and he has earned a longer leash. But it's not like he's been around for very long. This is his third year as a starter, not even his third full season as going into the season as a starter. He hasn't earned the right to basically tell the coach to F off. This is my team. Anthony Calvillo did. Ricky Ray did. Yeah, a guy that's... Could. Bo yeah. Levi can. Cody Pajardo, yeah, sorry, but like, I love you, man, but maybe you don't, you don't have that stroke yet. Who knows? In three, four years, maybe he will. And absolutely. As long as he's still your franchise guy then in three, four years. Yeah, absolutely. You've kind of earned that right. Not right now, though. You and the coach needs to. You're hurting this team more than you're helping them right now by being in there hurt playing at 25%. We have to bench you. Sorry, but we have the bye coming up and then we need you down the stretch. That's what the coach and that's accountability. And that's what I think is missing from this team. So as, lo as long as that's the Craig Dickinson we're getting. I don't have any faith in this team getting to the Grey Cup, let alone winning it. Like you can love, you can love your players, but you also need tough love. Like sometimes yeah, you need to protect team. your players from themselves. And, and, I, and I actually feel bad for Craig Dickinson with the whole Garrett Marino situation because he was the one put out there when he should have been focusing on coaching who was left on his team. Garrett Marino wasn't on the, I mean, he was on the team, but he wasn't with the team because he was suspended. Jeremy O'Day, Craig Reynolds, they should have been addressing that. 
but you had Dickinson addressing it every single day for a week, which was ridiculous. He shouldn't be doing that. You can ask him one question about it, and that's fine. Yeah, after but, day one, that should have been refer to J.O., refer to Reynolds. Just just end it. Like Let, let Dick, Dickie uh, worry about the team. But it, that was that media circus. I actually can't wait till this game is over because maybe we can all move past it because I'm so sick of hearing it. And don't get me wrong. Like I get now that Marino's back, it's a story. And whether or not you want to gauge how um, authentic his apology sounded, I it don't wasn't. care. Yeah, yeah. When you can see the oh, PR, you can, when you can see the PR wrong. person standing beside there, and she was literally mouthing the words with him. I was about to say that. Like, I, 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 Ariel, um, you're, you're not a ventriloquist. We can see your lips move. Like, it was very obvious he was coached up. Not well. He was coached up on what what to say, but like. We know, go ahead. You know, what really bugged me about that was follow-up questions. What was it like being away from the team for four weeks while I let them down, blah, blah, blah. Did you get a chance to uh, apologize to uh, Mazzoli? I'd I'd love to get the chance to. Why haven't you? You've had how long to do that? Why is nobody asking him this? Oh, I would have loved to, you know, apologize to Jeremiah Mazzoli. You can. Absolutely, you can. Pick up the phone. Call your rep. I'm sure he can get the contact for you. Yeah, this this guy isn't sorry, and and that's fine. I I don't care either way whether he's not because let let's call a spade a spade here. This is pro sports. If you hurt somebody, whatever. Like, he's yeah, paid to hit people, and he thinks he's a hitman. That's the, at the end of the day, whether yeah. it's right or wrong, you're, that's what he is. He's a yeah. You're gonna have hired hitman. You're gonna have players in every sport that do that. You're gonna have guys that go out there and and late hit and but they actually legitimately feel bad and they'll reach out to the player that they hurt and and they'll say i'm so sorry man i like they'll they'll own it garrett marino just isn't that guy and that's fine but the whole thing was it was just bad and regina media that covers the riders are absolutely ridiculous because they they they're scared they're scared to ask a tough question every single one of them they don't know what they're doing sorry I'm enjoying this so much. Uh, no S given Alex is my favorite, uh, my favorite Alex, but no, you're, you're not wrong. And like I said, like the entire thing, I didn't even watch Marino that entire cut. Well, mainly cause it's trash Jesus tattoo, but watching Ariel, the entire, uh, entire uh, media thing, like just nodding along mouth and words, like next time, Ariel, don't stand in the camera view. <laughs> Stand behind the reporters. Yeah, that way they can't see it, and you can do you can be more obvious, so he can yeah. he can watch what he's supposed to be saying. That was that was one of the worst, and I use air quotes here. Apologies, I have there, He never actually even said the words "I'm sorry." No, not no. once. He and he said fine. he let the team down, yeah. and when asked about um his actions, he uh, he was disappointed that uh, or was it dis- he. He was upset that Jeremiah got hurt, but he was not sorry for it. And like you said, that's fine. This is pro sports, but people keep talking about it like it was an apology. That my my three year old can give a better apology when she doesn't mean or when he doesn't mean it than Garrett Marino did. Honestly, I would, I would probably would have had more respect if he went like full wrestling heel. And just like, uh, yes, I am sorry. I am sorry, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Mazzoli is trash, and I, he got hurt. Like, I, I just go totally into, I'm a giant piece of garbage. Because that probably would have been more authentic. But I would, That would have been amazing. But as, as it stands, we are going to hear about this until the end of the game on Friday. And God forbid he either has a great game or a trash game. If he's in the middle, we might not hear the end of it. But if he has an absolute terrible, terrible game, or someone gets hurt, or he has a he has like three sacks, we are never going to hear the end of it. Ever. I honestly Ever. hope he he goes off. Like I said, my biggest fear is they announce the defense this game, and there's the biggest cheer for Marino, and then everyone on Twitter is going to all the rest of CFL Twitter is going to lose their mind. Yep, and. Um... 
that, that's what's going to happen. I don't know if they'll announce the defense or not, but if they do and they say his name, people are going to cheer for him 100%. He'll get an ovation at Mosaic Stadium, 100%. I truly believe that. Everybody, the casual fan says they're over it and they want to move on, which is fine. I get it. But at the same point, you can't go back and bitch and complain about Simone Lawrence then. Sorry, Ryder fans. If you want to move on and, and have this Garrett Marino thing behind you, you can't bring up Simone Lawrence anymore. Don't tell me how to be a fan. That's the you're opening. Right, you are, you're absolutely right. Like everyone wants to say, tell the other rest of the CFL to move on. I just want everyone to move on. I don't care about Simone Lawrence. I don't care about Garrett Marino. Let me, the worry, only, let me worry about the game in front of me. The only important discussion revolving around Simone Lawrence is how much of a coward he is when it comes to racing podcasters. That is it. That is the only past you should ever bring up when it comes to Simone Lawrence. That's okay. I, I can beat you in a race. So it doesn't matter. You could not. Even on one bum leg right now, I could hop down the field faster than you. Well, I think this is going to happen sometime soon. Okay. That's the opening kick. It's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's get to the Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. Before we take a look around the CFL, um, Steve, you're, um, you have another project on the go that uh, I only know sparse details about. So I'm going to learn about this from you. Um, I, was at, I, was, I said to you, hey, can I help in any way? And you said, no. I said, perfect. The bare minimum. I can do that. That's excellent. Um, so Piffle's in conjunction with, and I'll let you kind of tell what's going on, but we're putting on an event Saturday of Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it, as, as these things always do, it started from a tweet. I'm, I'm part of the group that's, char- or that's running the CFL Fans Fight Cancer event at Grey Cup this year. And I wanted to do something as a, as a pre-event, something ahead of time to help raise money for that event at the end of, uh, at the end of November. So I put out a tweet. I said, hey, give me some ideas. And the first person said, dunk tank. And I don't know what it was about it, but it just stuck with me. And it was almost instant. It turned from that dunk tank to, hey, you know, just asking for a friend, but tag some local celebrities. And all of a sudden, within 24 hours, because this was yesterday, or I guess two days ago, as you listen to this, that I sent the original tweet, within, within 48 hours, we've got a dunk tank booked. We've got a watermelon carving contest. This is all taking place at the Centennial Market. Uh, for those of you that, who don't know where that is, uh, that's the corner of um, Broad Street and 5th, 6th? Uh, it's Six. the old Value Village Mall. Um, uh, so down there on the corner there. And uh, one of our uh, former sponsors, Tallgrass, uh, he, uh, Matt from Tallgrass is the one that's helping me pl- put this on. So Saturday, September the 3rd, 1 to 4 p.m., Dunk Tank, you're going to have a chance to dunk some local celebrities uh like mark johnston from uh uh play 92 is it my no my 92 now my 92 and the uh in-game host of the writers and the and the in-game host for the riders with another rider connection we've got daniela ponticelli uh who does the pre and post game show for the team uh as well as uh chad from the wolf uh ryan doka from tiktok and uh, we even have a representative of Bomber Nation who is going to fly out specifically for this event. So he's going to come out and uh, give you the chance to uh, dunk the blue and gold. So if you want to take out any of your, uh, your frustrations over their, their last couple of years, this will be your chance to do that. And of course, uh, the three of us will be in the chair as well at some point. So uh, I'm, not, I'm not worried. No one can throw a ball anyway. So. <laughs> I'm sure people will be paying money just to go press the button on you. Thank we you. might we might have an extra. Oh true. no! I, I think what we'll do is we'll have you can buy the the balls for three or five bucks or whatever. Or if you want to just dunk somebody, we'll have we'll have a, a balance for that too. Yeah, you're you're cowards. All of you are cowards. <laughs> I'm telling you that right now. So if you want to if you want to put your money where your mouth is and take a shot at Greg, uh, we'll be cowards. there again. Uh, Saturday, September the third, one to four p.m. at the at the market. There's going to be a watermelon carving, food trucks, hopefully. And just come out, have a good time, and all of the money from this event is going towards um, the main event, which is the CFL Fans Fight Cancer, which is all raising money for 
uh, the Alan Blair Cancer Center. And if you don't know what CFL Fans Fight Cancer is, it's an event that's held every year at Grey Cup with money going to a local cancer charity. Uh, I know in 2013, they put the money here towards, I believe it was the Chris Knox Foundation. This year, we're doing uh, the Alan Blair Cancer Center down at the, uh, the Pasqua there. So come out, raise some, raise some money for a good cause. Maybe send uh, your favorite podcaster for a swim or your favorite uh, media guy or your least favorite podcaster if it's Greg. And uh, Cowards. <laughs> All of you. Cowards. Let's, let's, uh, let's raise some money for a good cause. I can't wait. That's going to be fun. Labor Day weekend's always a blast anyway. And uh, something like this, that, that's so much fun. And it's for a great cause. So I know uh, we've had a lot of success. Uh, thanks to the listeners, the people of Saskatchewan um, raising charity um, for, for numerous charities across the province. So I know this will be another, another good one that we do here. So I'm looking forward to it. And of course, there's going to be some CFL Fights Cancer event at a great cup there. I know there's going to be some great prizes um for that as well too so and that's looking forward thing. to all that yeah I and mean, that's one thing i'm i'm kind of glad of, one of the things i'm really proud of though this podcast is if if we, if i want to humble brag for us is the amount of money we've given back to charity with our limited reach like we're just three guys who talk football but somehow we raised a bunch of money for <laughs> a bunch of charities in in Saskatchewan which is always great and actually last week was the three-year anniversary of the Jesus sprinkle shirts. And that still blows my mind. The uh, just seeing those shirts to this day out there is just, it's awesome. And it's truly humbling. Thank you all. My, my favorite moment from that will always be Paul Hill going into the Plaza of honor. And during his video, <laughs> there he is rocking the rocking the Jesus sprinkle shirt. Ah. You know, you know, we'll have made it though when somebody leaves us money for a charity in their will. That's the that's the real Saskatchewan thing. I Sorry, Telemiracle, we're coming that. up. We're yeah, coming I up. I think we need to worry about that. <laughs> if somebody does that, we're do- donating that money to Telemiracle. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, back to uh, to football here. Um, BC at Calgary last weekend. I just want to say Nathan Effing Rourke. I am full on a believer in this kid. That was that second half that he put on and just never giving up through that game. He was excellent. And it scares me that the Riders have him in the next couple of games because this guy doesn't get phased. I haven't seen like his demeanor about, you know, getting down a couple of scores and it being nothing for him to get back into the game. That's what Michael Riley, that's what Ricky Ray, that's what Anthony Calvillo, that's what, what the greats have. They have that intangible. You cannot teach that. And this kid has it. And it's not like Calgary's a bad team because they're, I mean, they're a good team. And to do that on the road, come back and, and win that game the way that they did, that was very impressive to me. Dude's got you know, veins. Like, legit nothing faced him in that. I, I just can't wait. I'm I'm just waiting for some hack to call him Natty Ice because like nothing, nothing bothered him that game. Like I'm like, oh, OK, he, he's looking a little human. And then he came back and just absolutely just shock and awe the Stampeders. So on that game on was it Friday night? Friday night. No, it, was, it was Saturday. Saturday, right before Saturday. Saturday. Thank you. Because I thought I was on, going to go to overtime and push the Ryder game back. Right. On that game on Saturday. Uh, Nathan Rourke managed to make me eat crow not once but twice the first one was silently because I I was driving on Saturday night and he started off poorly and I was gonna I was gonna tweet out you know maybe we should slow down about all the the Nathan Rourke you know all the Nathan Rourke talk but I didn't tweet because I was driving and then sure enough he comes back and lights it up so thanks thanks for saving me on that one but I I said last week on our show that I wasn't ready to anoint him because he'd had some luck in who he'd come again, come up against. You know, the riders were missing their entire D line, even Calgary on the weekend was missing uh, Trey Robertson. You know, there was some talent missing from that backfield, but the way he came back and the poise he showed, I don't care if he was going up against peewee players, what he did on Saturday, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to jump on that bandwagon. What, what he's doing is incredible. The fact that he's doing it as a Canadian on the same year where 
we all had all the talk about dropping the the ratio and and all the talk about Canadian talent being inferior. It, it's great to see a and I use the term loosely, but it's great to see that Canadian talent come up and you know absolutely light it up. But you also have to give a a lot of the credit to that is. I don't know if some of those catches are made were made by anyone other than Burnham and uh, Whitehead because the amount of times he forced the ball into double coverage and Burnham and Whitehead came up with it. Like, yeah, it's good on him for having the uh, cojones and Spaldings to make that throw. But also if he didn't have uh, Burnham or uh, Whitehead there, I don't know if anyone else would have caught that. They do you have know, the advantage knowing that he's coming up making what 60, 60, 70 grand this year. So they could, they could spread a lot of money around to make sure a he's got the weapons and b he's got the protection. But even in the game against the Riders, it wasn't even great protection. He was just making guys miss. Like the guy, the guy has a pocket presence that I haven't seen in forever. He just dances around there. It's it's incredible to watch. I I'm excited. I'm interested to see how he does this week against a hopefully much tougher D line. If Marino's back, if Robertson back, if Lanier's back, you know, and Leonard, like if you've got our starting four D linemen, that's a different group that he didn't go up against last time, but nothing he's done so far leads me to believe he's going to have a misstep at this point. You mentioned him making uh, that, uh, you know, the CFL minimum rookie Canadian contract. Well, guess what? Even if he signs another contract, doesn't go to the NFL, if he signs another one for next year and the year after, uh, he's still only going to be making like 85K just based on the rules of a second contract for a draft pick. So BC's laughing right now with their quarterback situation because they can afford to have guys like Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, Dominic Rimes. Dominic Rimes has turned into a top 10 possibly top five receiver in this league this year when this is a guy who couldn't catch a cold while he's with Ottawa showed flashes in Ottawa, but never consistently put it together. And now with BC, he's a legit target leads the league in touchdowns. He's it's actually really impressive to see him come on and Javon Canadian junior player. Like, and he looks like an all-star. I, if it, if it wasn't for Nathan Rourke being Canadian, he'd probably be their top Canadian. Yeah, watching BC this year and, and what they've done after the last couple of years not being very good is really impressive. They're, they're a lot of fun to watch. So if you're looking to watch a game for fun, absolutely turn on a, a BC Lions game. Um, Greg, you mentioned earlier the Bombers losing to the Alouettes at home, no less, which was, to me, that was a surprising oh. thing. And the, That's uh, the title of my sex tape. <laughs> self-proclaimed <laughs> loudest fans in the CFL were pretty damn quiet after a couple kicks from Mark Leggio. Uh, one clank. <laughs> that was probably the best one was the one off the uprights. Um, clank and shank. Yeah. As they, that was his two kicks. They, they let Sergio Castillo move on and uh, now they're paying but, for it. Hey. They knew this. They knew what Legio was last year. That's the reason why they traded to get Sergio's rights to sign him, and he carried them to a great cup. They knew Legio was a liability, and then they go, yeah, you know what? Come back. I, I don't th- – this, this is a front office screw-up from the Bombers from the get-go. I don't know why they thought Legio had it. He does. My my favorite part about that game was his misses led to Winnipeg not being the first team to 400 uh, career home wins, and then Calgary went and blew it against uh, against BC. Then they had that huge lead where they would have been the first to 400 career wins. Meanwhile, Edmonton has been sitting at 398 career wins for three years. Like, is that a curse? How close are the Riders to 400 career home wins? Is this something that a team just can't get to? Like, th- th- what's happening right now is incredible. A guy missed a 32-yarder, worse than I've ever seen a guy shank a kick in the CFL. And then Clanks went off the post. And then BC has their big comeback win, and Edmonton can't win to save their lives. Like, this, it's incredible to watch. It's like nobody wants it. 
And the other game last week, the Argos Ticats, another wild game between these guys. They uh, both play somebody different this week, and then they're back for the for two games in a row, week before Labor Day, and then the Labor Day week. They don't play the rematch, which is weird, but uh, the Argos kicking a field goal as time expires, down 10 points, was actually their best coaching decision that they had all game long. Ryan Dinwiddie was god-awful in that game. Third and a yard, and you're punting it? That was the game changer in that game right there because Toronto should have, they, they were kind of dominating that entire first half. And then that happened. Ticats go down and score and change the entire complexion of the game. I would have kicked that. If you're going to kick the field goal and you're thinking point differential in between the season series, which is why you kick that field goal down 10 with no time on the clock, kick that field goal with 30 seconds left. Once you get to the 30 yard line or the 40 yard line, Kick the field goal because the uh, Hamilton doesn't get the ball at the 35-yard line anymore. They, you have to kick it off to him, which means you have the onside kick. So why you wouldn't do it earlier baffles me. I know you need the touchdown, and it's you go for the touchdown first, but if you, it makes no sense to me. I would have kicked the field goal earlier because you still have to get the onside kick. Kick the field goal, save the time. Don't waste 20 seconds or 30 seconds, whatever it is, driving down just to kick a field goal as time expires. That made no sense, but point differential. Okay, that's their saving grace there, Ryan Dinwiddie. So a lot of people were confused and laughing as to why Toronto kicked the field goal there. And that's the whole thing. They play each other two more times. So if they end up being tied in the season series, it comes down to point differential or it could come down to point differential. So that was that. But Andrew Harris, done for the year with a torn pec. Originally, Toronto said four to six weeks. And when I heard that, I'm like, how torn is that pectoral muscle? Because the torn pec keeps a guy out for a long time. That's generally speaking, a season ending injury. And they revised that and said, yep, turns out he's actually done for the year. Is this the end of the road for Andrew Harris? It's going to be hard for him to come back after an injury like that. I'm that's at his age and his injury history and at his price tag it's going to be very hard for him to find work next year unless he decides to hang it up. Sorry. My, my mother taught me if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. So I'm, I'm uh... Uh, mine obviously never taught me that because <laughs> and Andrew Harris. no, you know, you know what, if that's the end of his career, you know, d- dude has had a stellar career. It's, it may have been as assisted as the, the Winnipeg's uh, fan noise, but you know, it's uh it's not the way you want to see a top tier Canadian player go out. If that's, if that's the end, um, it's, uh, it's unfortunate and it's unfortunate for Toronto, but is what it is. I'm sure they'll, uh, they'll survive it. I hope for his sake, it's not the end of the road because I mean, the guy is he's a hall of famer, uh, even with the asterisks beside it, he's, he's a hall of famer. Um, so you always want to see those guys kind of go out on their own terms, not through injuries. So if he can come back and and put one more season together, even if it's at a, you know, in a rotation situation where he's only playing 40, 50% of snaps or something like that, then I think that would be a much better way for him to go. So in that sense, I hope this isn't the end of the road for him, but if it is, then hats off to you, Andrew Harris and a fantastic hall of fame career. Um, yeah. And like like I said, like I'm never going to exchange Christmas cards with Andrew Harris. It's that simple, but I, I have much respect for the man. Um he can't like I said, territorial player, wasn't expected to do much, and he he's had a Hall of Fame career. Asterisk or not, I don't think he honestly, I think he did it, but I don't think he I don't think he had to. He was that good. And he was very dominant, especially when he was younger. Yeah, injuries probably caught up to him. And it sucks this is the way he's going to go out. He probably should have went out a couple of years ago when he had both uh, player of the, uh, uh, the Grey Cup trophies over his head. But can't fault the guy for wanting to hang on to his, uh, to his glory. Well, let's go to our enemy preview riders and alliance. And uh, we talked about the defensive line. Garrett Marino's returning. Uh, Robertson's coming back. I was blanking on his name there for a second. AC Leonard is going to return. 
So the whole D-line's back. Anthony Lanier is there. Sounds like Charleston Hughes is going to be out, though. Um, but the starting forward defensive line is going to be back, which during the three-game losing streak there, they were not playing. They were hurt or suspended. And that was a big, big loss for this team, even though the defense played pretty well in those three games losing. Um, to get them back is absolutely huge against an O-line that's, to me, overachieving in BC. I think they've, they've done very well, but this is still the same O-line that sucked last year. Um, I, I expect not a crashing down to earth for them, but this is this is going to be a real test. And, and hopefully the, the returning riders are, are good to go and fully healthy because this team needs them right now. By the way, I just looked up our uh, home win record. We are three uh, going into the season. We are three forty-eight. So we'll beat Edmonton to get there. Yeah, <laughs> and that—that's not including playoffs. If you include playoffs, we're actually at uh, three seventy-one. Either way, we're going to beat uh, Edmonton. But anyway, uh, sorry, where were we? <laughs> uh, BC Lions uh, D line coming back for the Riders. Well, I, I said it before. The the biggest difference between our game last time and this game is going to be the amount of pressure we're hopefully going to be able to get on Nathan Rourke. The the guy had all the time in the world last last game against us here at Mosaic. If if you get in his face, get pressure on him. He is still a rookie. He is still a young kid. Make him make those mistakes that that rookies make, because that's how you're going to beat a team like. He's not a rookie. He's a rookie for all intents and purposes. He's like, he played what, two games last year? He looks like he's 12. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think he's definitely going to be in hard, in for it harder this uh, game. But, God, I don't know. Watching him slice and taste Calgary last week, it's. I'm going to let you be King Homer this week. I got to take BC. We're not there yet. Um, <laughs> Slow down, Greg. <laughs> um, offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't know if the, the offense can keep up with Rourke. Um, and because and, Rourke's going to go out there. The high, they're the highest scoring team by a long shot here in the CFL. And if you think the Riders are going to go out there and score 35 points against BC, I can't see that happening. I don't know, especially with, uh, you know, another week of uh, – Kyron Moore was uh, potentially going to play this week or next week. He's out this week, so hopefully we see him back next week in the rematch in BC. Uh, Shaq Evans was pretty limited in practice. He's not going to play from the sounds of it, and maybe he's you know a week away as well. I just don't think there's enough firepower on this Riders offense this week to to keep up with the BC offense. Next week, if Shaq and Kyron Moore are back, then that's a totally different conversation. But this week, uh, I, I don't like the Riders' chances on offense against I, the BC defense has been been playing fairly well as well. I think the year. biggest key to this game is going to be getting our run game involved. You want to slow BC's offense down, keep them the hell off the field, run the ball, have good possession, like this. If ever there was a game for a lot of dink and dunk offense, it is this one. March down the field. Take those 8-10 play drives. Take eight minutes off the clock. They can't score offensively if their offense is on the bench. So get get Morrow involved. Get Hickson involved. You know, Keep the ball moving. Get it out of Fajardo's hands. And, and take those five, eight, nine-yard plays and march down the field. That is how you beat BC. Because if you're going to try and go, you know, deep ball for deep ball, for one, nothing we've seen this year would lead us to believe that that's going to be successful. And two, you're not going to beat them again in that kind of game, period. Well, and yeah, not they, this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, last year too. But no, like it was great in Edmonton. They, they brought back the double fullback package again. Do more of that. Run the ball. Just, just smash it down BC. Run them out of the building. I don't care. Like I will. Like I said, I'm taking BC this week. I don't care. Like I know I'm early, but I'm gladly take BC this week, and I will be happy to be start off zero and one, like I did last week. 
Um, well, if there's any uh, um, solid, if the Riders need an offensive weapon, maybe they can uh, lure Weston Dressler um, out of retirement to do this because it is the Plaza of Honor induction weekend or Legends Night, whatever they're calling it. Um, Weston Dressler, Mike McCullough, Ken Miller, all uh, going to be on hand. So that'll be great seeing those guys around, especially uh, especially Coach Ken Miller. He was uh, just loved by everybody here. So I love Grandpa uh, Kenny. I'm just picturing Ken Miller and Craig Dickinson in a room together and see who loves their players more. Hey, Ken Miller did say on this show that uh, one time he yelled at players, and I didn't believe him. I'm sure someone hit his keys on him or something. On the flip side, would Ken Miller lie to you? Look at that face. Would he lie to you? No, he wouldn't. No, no. Exactly. I love I love Ken Miller. I, I don't think it's possible to hate that man. Unless I know one person in human history that hates Ken Miller. And what? it is friend of the show, Jim from the BC Lions, like the BC Lions fan. Absolutely hates Ken Miller. Oh yeah, why? he does too. I I, I don't know why. Him and Kenny in a bunch of pictures. yeah, yeah. He he hates Ken Miller. Really? Yep. Oh man. Ab- and uh, Ken Miller is a part of why B- uh, Jim is a BC fan and not a Ryder fan. That's a shame, Jim. I thought uh, thought we were uh, <laughs> yeah okay. That's okay. Yeah, every that's every game I tell that. Jimmy looks like an idiot. So, um, but and uh, but. And I, I've said this before, Weston Dressler made me break my rule of never buying a player's jersey. That's how much I love that man as a player. He he, he was awesome. Like spark plug on the offense. And he's like five foot two, and you can carry him in your pocket. He was the start of my my run of uh training camp jerseys. His worked out spectacularly. His is still in my closet. Yeah, no, I, I had his week one. I'm fairly positive i was the first person in rider nation with a weston dressler jersey i was also one of two of the first people with a Corey williams jersey who and uh who was the other one keith toaston so i mean big one you know what i still stand by keith toaston would have been a great feature back if he ever got the chance oh yeah he dummied antoine pruno that's that that was his highlight right there but no, yeah, Dressler. Was, I, I'll have to laugh because I'll never forget that training camp because all the buzz was on a Darius Bowman. And Darius Bowman, uh, I'll, I remember Van Stone's column was going to be rookie of the year. And at the end of the season, Van Stone was right that the Riders had rookie of the year. Problem is, it was Weston Dressler because Bo and Bowman turned out to be an excellent receiver, just not with the Riders. He had a bad case of frying pan hands. But if both those two would have figured it out at the same time, oh boy. But yeah, Dressler, the, the amount of fight in that guy, his height didn't matter. And he had the final touchdown in uh, Grey Cup 2013 as well, too, just to ice it once it was, uh, I mean, we knew the game was over, but once he caught that one, that was the full-on party was on at Old Taylor Field. So we'll always have that. So it'll be great seeing those guys in attendance. Um, Greg, you've already picked BC. In this game, let's do our pick them here really quick before we go. Uh, we'll start with, oh, man, Edmonton at Ottawa. Nobody's going to win. Yeah, no, no, no one's winning this one, not even the fans. Wait, wait, I, where is it being played? Ottawa. Edmonton Edmonton's going to get a win. Yeah. Yeah, Edmonton will win this one. Like there, there, uh, There's no winners in this. There's none. No. TSN's even like, can we show, like, darts? I'd watch darts, but you guys know that though. Um, BC at Saskatchewan, Greg, you have BC. I'm going with BC as well. Come on, King Homer. You gotta. I, you know what? With that D line coming back, they barely beat us last time. I'm going to go with the riders. I realize I'm insane and I'm probably going to be wrong, but King Homer is making his return this year. Uh, so, go riders. Hamilton at Montreal, two teams that I still can't figure out this year. It's been half the season. I have no idea what either of those teams is about. I stand by my, if you can't beat a Danny Machocha led Montreal team, you cannot make the playoffs. Come on, Hamilton. It's on you. I am torn on this one. I, I honestly don't know who's going to win this. This is, 
equally as difficult as Edmonton and Ottawa for very different reasons. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Hamilton. I I feel like they turned the corner last week. I I think this is the start of uh, them getting better. Maybe, maybe Montreal. No, Hamilton. I'm picking Hamilton. I like Hamilton for uh, one reason, and that's Matthew Schultz starting. Um, not a slight on Dane Evans because I do like Dane Evans, um, but Hamilton seemed to be better on offense with Matthew Schultz in their last game. Dane is having a bad season, and I don't know why. Dude I don't know if it's so, so much pressure. promise, and then he just kind of lost it. Like, is it all the pressure of him being QB1 and, and face of the franchise now that Jeremiah Mazzoli's gone? Like, is that what it is? Did they pick the wrong guy? Yeah, yes. Mazzoli was the guy, and he had trouble getting it done. So, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Because, like, they, they had a perfect two-headed monster with those two. When one, when one hand was cold, he went to the other one, but except like i i don't know i don't know what the answer is they're they're a weird team this year and the final game on uh saturday night uh calgary at toronto calgary yeah don't make me say it (laughs) oh then we won't stupid argos you stupid suck that's okay marty york says they're they're gonna be unfunded in like 2025 unless they actually show a profit so you know, are we Marty, really gonna are well, we really gonna open back. and it's close this show it's with with Marty York? Uh, jeez, yeah. Well, Marty York says a lot of things. Okay, so we'll just leave it at that. Ah, <sighs> uh, that'll be the Piffles Podcast this week. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us here. Um, Piffles Podcast is of course brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festian of Royal LePage Regina Realty, Churchill Brewing Company, and Kurt Angle for for their support making this show possible. Piffles Podcast is a proud member of the CFP and the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This is Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. Marty York's got no credibility. The Ghost Behind Your Mind.